You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, this is uh, Jay Horowitz with a really different kind of alumni match podcast. In my years, yeah, I've done a lot of people who earned stardom in City Field and Shea Stadium, but for the first time, I'm interviewing a young fellow who did pretty well on the basketball court, uh, Chris Johns, Chris, Chris Mullen, best player in St. John's history, all pro with, uh, with Golden State in Indiana. But for me, the most important thing, Chris, a diehard Mets fan. That's number one in my book. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, Jay. How did you become a Mets fan, Chris? I know born in New York, went to Xavier, you know, high school. How did you first become a Mets fan? Jay, first, it's so nice to see you. So gl- I'm so glad to be with you. Me too, um, Chris. Yeah, I became a Mets fan. I think, Jay, I think really um, geographically, you know, growing up in Brooklyn, we naturally gravitated towards the Mets, the Jets. Um, they were our teams growing up. And there was a small connection. I grew up on Flappish and Flatlands. And Gil Hodges lived close by us, right? So we would drive by his house when I was a, when I was a young kid, right by Marine Park. So having somebody in our neighborhood, we just felt connected to that. And then, of course, as I grew up through high school and mostly at St. John's, there was this man who just gave me incredible tickets anytime I asked. Who would that be, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would call five minutes before a game. And this guy, Jay Horowitz, would always give me parking yeah. and tickets. So, uh, yeah. you know, thank you for you meant you asked me before, Jay, about my brother Terrence. He's doing well. But over the years, and I probably have to apologize for this, whether it be my brothers, my nieces and nephews, and now my sons probably still call you. That's and, fine. Oh, the Mullins are always welcome at, at City Field. I, ne- I never heard the word no from no, Jay Horowitz. No, never, never. Because, <laughs> you know, I remember when you were working as executive in, in Golden State, Every time we were in, you never miss a game. Always come out and see us play. And you know, I just admire your, you know, your your dedication. Was your favorite guy? You know, you you were, you know, with the with the '86 team. Any one guy stand out, or you know, who you liked? Well, it's funny, Jay. I watched that team uh, grow, right? So I went to St. John's in '81. So '81, '82, even '83, the stadium was kind of wide open. We could go. You know, you'd leave us tickets, but we could go sit anywhere we wanted to, right? I think it was 84 when Daryl came up and started, the excitement started. Uh, 85 when Doc came, then the place was sold out. That tremendous trade for Keith Hernandez. Um, so I kind of watched that team grow, watched the stadium get re-energized. Uh, and that was an amazing, amazing time. I might go back. I was born in 63, so I do remember the 69 team, mainly for my baseball cards, flipping baseball cards. And in 73, so growing up, whether we were playing stickball or wiffle ball, we would go through the entire lineup, you know, whether it be Ed Cranepool, Felix Beyond, Bud Harrelson, Ed Charles, Wayne Garrett, Cleon Jones, Tommy Agee. So I remember all those players. Um, and just had a real connection. I mean, baseball at that point in time when I was growing up was the number one sport. We would go sit in front of the TV and watch Channel 9, WOR, and watch the yeah. Mets, watch the entire fine. game. Yeah. Watch, yeah, Kindness Corner, if it was raining out, that was always a, you know, that was, that was always fun. But we watched the game and then go outside and try and 
imitate those certain batten st- bat, bat, bat stances. Uh, yes, yeah, so I, I had a tremendous uh, connection. Tom, those great pitches, Tom Seaver, John Matlack, Gary Gentry, Tug McGraw came up coming out of the bullpen. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, I was, I was a pretty big fan. Chris, how could your memory in 85, um, that's the final four year, right? 85 to yep. 81. Correct. On, on the cover of the April Fool's edition that year, I think you were on the cover, and that was the story Sid Finch broke that day. That was inside that cover. And that was one of my that was one of my crowning whatever feats. That Sid Finch was a you know a six foot seven guy from a faraway land who threw a hundred ninety mile an hour fastball. And I think you were on the cover because that was the final four weekend. It was April first, nineteen eighty five. Do you have that cover in your house anyplace? I do. I'm sure it's in my garage somewhere, but I do remember that fictitious story about Sid Finch. Um, I think actually some people may believe that, Jay. They, and they, they were hoping days, to come... they did. We, we, we couldn't have done that in the age of Twitter, but for a couple right. of days, we had people fooled. You know, six or seven guy with one shoe played the flute and threw 190 mile on a fence. Well, I love that kind of stuff. A bit, but now, I just remember your picture was on the cover. You know, I have it in my my house. That was the final four weekend. You know, I did do that. I don't know if you know. After you left St. John, you know, I got to be friends with Brian Mahoney and uh, and Ron Rutledge, of course. And Bobby Bonilla helped recruit Felipe Lopez. We used to go to Rice High School all the time, and you know, when I remember Brian called me the day we got him, and I guess what we did was probably illegal, probably. I mean, a professional athlete recruited a high. But we used to, you know, Bobby, I forget where they were saying the same crowd, but, you know, Bobby watched Felipe play a lot. We used to go watch him in the stands. And I remember the day that Brian called and said that, uh, you know, we got him and everything. That was, uh, I, I said, you know, I remember back, Chris, when, when Franco, did you, were you in school with Franco and Viola? I forget the time things, you know. I came in right after, right after they left, but I got to know both of them. When you were coaching, we used to go down to Miami and, uh, you know, watch you guys play and, you know, Johnny bleeds, you know, St. John's blue. And you got to be friends with him after that, I remember. Yeah, I love John Franco. He's a, he's a good friend, uh, you know, tough Brooklyn guy, uh, loyal. Uh, he had an incredible career, one of the best lefty relievers of all time. And, uh, and Frank, too, I went, actually, I went to see Frank Viola when he was pitching for Minnesota. Uh, when I was out in the Bay Area, I went to the Oakland A's game and sat with his dad. And I remember he was, you know, he was an incredible pitcher, sweet music from Frank Viola. Yeah. Uh, and it might have been the fourth or fifth inning. And the manager kind of got to the top of the steps. I remember his dad said, get back in the, get back in the hole. Leave him alone. <laughs> it's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Those he didn't want Frankie. He didn't want Frankie come out of the game. You, you know what I remember? My, you know, when my we have a, you know, my close friend Al Ababo, you know, was a good. We, when I was a Philly ticket, he was a coach, and we started to go to all your games. You know, especially in the year years when you're there, we used to go to Dante's after the games, and mm. Bill Parmesan at one o'clock with Lou and everybody. Did you? What, what do you remember? Al had the greatest haircut known to mankind. I think. 
Yeah, Jay, just an incredible defensive mind, uh, tenacious. You know, he was he was the mastermind, really. He taught Bobby Knight defense, if you can believe that. And you know that up in Army. Uh, and when he came to St. John's, I mean, you think about the staff coach put together. You mentioned Brian Mahoney and Ron Rutledge, two incredible basketball minds and incredible recruiters. But Al Lababo, uh, way Coach Carnesecca, way ahead of his time, really uh, having a defensive coordinator. And um, Al, he, you know, he'd get 20 minutes a day and he would, he would just go after us and teach us and, and was relentless. And um, for people that don't know, defense wasn't my strong suit. So Coach Lababo taught me that I could be an effective defender uh, in different ways, maybe not athletically or with speed and quickness. Um, so he was tremendous. Uh, he had a huge impact on my career. And uh, to be surrounded by those people, you know, from, from 18 to 21 uh, years old, not only, um, you know, was a tremendous advantage for me from a basketball standpoint, but just the, the guidance, the mentorship, um, and just the example they set for young men was incredible from Coach Carnesecca to Al Lababo. Brian Mahoney, Ron Rutledge. Chris, Chris, when I was at the SID at Fairley and Al was a coach, we we Al, we didn't have a gym at that time. So we used to travel around the country. We lost a game in 38 different states. And, mm -hmm. and I got that note in Sports Illustrated. And I thought Al was going to kill me. My first game on the job the SID, I copied the, the notes down in the scorebook. We played in Maine, in Orono, Maine, and we started the game with two technical fouls. Remember, Al come out of it to the scorebook, and Al and Now I know why I was from NYU dropped F in basketball. And thankfully, my friendship got stronger after the years, but that was, uh, it was, it was a kind of you know, rough beginning. Chris, moving around a little bit, 1992, 30 years anniversary of the Dream Team. What do you remember most about that, that year? Yeah, an amazing experience with the Dream Team. Um, you know, the first time NBA players were eligible to participate in the Olympics. So it, it's an original experience for all of us. Um, somewhat of an experiment for, from uh, FIBA, uh, the International Basketball Committee, and the NBA, David Stern, and, and, the, and the Olympics got together and, and opened it up. We had been participating against the European and foreign teams pros already in, in the past. Um, but I think, you know, Part of their vision was <clears throat> to globalize the game of basketball, catch up in participation and popularity with soccer. Um, 30 years later, that has happened. Obviously, NBA basketball, college basketball throughout the world, probably the second most popular sport behind soccer right now uh, in participation and, and viewership and all those different uh, statistical numbers. Uh, but David Stern was a visionary. Uh, to get to play for Chuck Daly, our, our coaching staff, there was Chuck Daly, Lenny Wilkins, uh, Coach K, and PJ, Carlissimo. And then everyone knows the great, great players of Magic, Larry, Michael, uh, Charles, uh, just just the, all the legends of, of, the, of the 90s. Um, to be able to play with those guys, to get to know them, obviously winning the gold medal was, was the, the, you know, crowning jewel. But the experiences are, are uh, friendships that we made, relationships that we made last to this day. Uh, and I said, when you do something for the first time, there's just something special about that. And people ask me about it all the time. Um, it, it was a dream. It was a dream come true. I remember I got that call from my agent, Bill Pollock, 
because the prize was a selection. It was not a tryout. Um, and fortunately, at that point in time, I was playing at a really high level. Uh, international basketball at that point in time wasn't as integrated. So there was a big difference between the NBA and international basketball at that point in time. Now, somewhat similar with the three-point line, with the, pro with the um, prominence of the three-point line in the NBA. But we we're going to face a lot of zones, so I was a perfect fit for that team. Uh, and like I said, the experiences, uh, the memories, uh, just to me, the, probably the, the, the crowning moment of my career. You know, coming from where I came from, you know, having a great college career, starting my career, kind of struggling a little bit, and then being at the top of my game at that point in time. Uh, looking back, that was that was uh, you know the, the greatest uh, moment in my career. Okay, talk a little bit about Lou. You know, because it, it go into the games, we became friends. I tried calling every you know, which I'm happy about. I think he's ninety six or ninety seven now. You know, somebody close to dear and near to your heart. He calls me every uh, of September, wishing me a happy young kipper. Um, I mean, he's a, I mean, Lou was a big baseball guy, too. I think he played baseball before basketball, right? Do you remember that? But what talk about Lou, I mean, um, what he meant to your career. Point of second. Yeah, yeah, Jay. And you know this because you've been around coach for so long. Just, just one of the most unique, um, special human beings in the world. Uh, I met him when I was 10 years old. Um, at his camp and uh, obviously, you know, he was, you know, head coach of St. John's, he was teaching us drills and skills, but when he gave lectures, he always had something more to it than teaching basketball. It was always a message in his lecture and his teaching, um, whether it be about being a good teammate, being unselfish, being responsible, uh, being a loyal friend, it was always something mixed in with his basketball. And that, that was when I was 10, and that has continued till now, to this day. He is 97, um, sharp as a whip. As you said, he always reaches out to see how, he, how you're doing, right? Um, no question, no question. Doesn't forget, doesn't forget any of your family. Just, you know, he's just, he's just one of those special people. Uh, so he's had a, the biggest influence on my life. Uh, obviously my mom and dad, and my siblings, um, but you think about, I've known coach now for 49 years, you know, and he has, he's always been uh, a steady confidant. Um, I go back and he coached me for four years, right? And we had an incredible four years together on the basketball court. But I, I think of the times you brought up Dante's, all the meals we had together. Right. The bus ride, the bus rides, um, some tough conversations over the years. But to me, coach has has an incredible sense of humor. Like when I get off the phone with him, I find myself picking up the phone and, and calling my friends. You can't believe what this guy just said. You know, um, like I'll, I'll see him soon. I was supposed to have lunch with him on July 5th. It got pushed back for, for a different reason, but I'll see him soon. And I'm telling you, when I walk in wherever the restaurant, he'll size me up. And if I'm casual like I'm now, he'll be, he'll be like, what are you, a longshoreman? You're going to shape up the docks? What are you doing? You know, like, he just, he just, he just hit you with some whack. He just whack you all day long. And, and he's, to me, one of the funniest people I know. Um, just when you're around him, you just feel good about life. And he's been so consistent, impacted so many lives, um, and has done it with class, dignity, and humility. And I mean, he's, he's, he's just, he just, 
He's one of a kind. We're never going to have a person like that. To be able to do all that, and you know, Jay, you, you, in the media, to do all that in New York City his entire life uh, and do it, like I said, with the class, the humility, it's just special. Chris, the last couple of years since you left coaching St. John's, you've been doing pre and public games of radio stuff for the Warriors. How, how have you adapted to that? And, and how good is Steph Curry, by the way? Yeah, I mean, that, right now, Jay, that, that's, that's a great gig, man. TV's an awesome. I'm going to play golf tomorrow with Mike Green. It's the best gig in the world. He's um, a big man, too. He's yeah, a giant Mets fan. We, we played a few weeks ago. We talked about the Mets. And, and uh, like myself, his, his favorite play was Bud Harrelson. So we'll put that on records. You get Mike on. But, um, yeah, TV's great, man. I get to, to watch Steph and, and Draymond and Clay. Uh, it was an amazing season this past year because they came in with, you know, Clay had missed 941 days. So he missed, you know, two full seasons and, and a half. So everyone thought, you know, if they could stay above water, you know, five, six, seven seed before, before Clay got back, they'd be in, in good shape. Lo and behold, they start 18 and two. Um, when Clay got back, uh, Draymond was out. When Draymond got back, Steph was out. So for a while there, they only played 11 minutes together. And then at the end of the season, people don't remember this, with 20 games left, Draymond hurt his back. And Steph missed the last 12 games of the regular season. So coming into the playoffs, there were still question marks. But, man, they put it together. Um, those three have been played together for 10 years now with the Warriors. And they just have an incredible uh, chemistry together. Uh, their talent on the court complement each other beautifully. Their personalities complement each other. And they really just set an incredible tone. Um, of, of just dynamic play. Uh, they all lead in different ways. Steph's a very humble, quiet guy. Clay's kind of typical Southern California, just very mellow. And Draymond's the vocal leader. So it's a, it's a unique uh, dynamic. Uh, and they, they're, the, they're the most successful trio in NBA history, which you think you, about it. It's been a lot. Did you yeah, travel that, with him, Chris, or just made No, no. I, I, the whole, I, I stayed home. The only travel I did was to the finals, which was, which was fine by me. So I do the pre and post game for NBC Sports Bay Area. Now, home games is a studio just outside the arena that we use. Uh, and when they go on the road, I go to a, NBC, a local NBC affiliate in San Francisco. So it's, it's, it's a great setup. Uh, like I say, you know, you do, you do your, your good preparation. Uh, obviously, we see the Warriors every day, so that, that kind of takes care of itself. And... Uh, yeah, so it's cool. We do some interviews, you know, post-game, and it's a lot of fun. I work with Darrell Wright and Bonte Hill. Uh, we have a blast. Like I said, so th at this point in my life, it's a perfect gig. Keeps me connected to the game and fortunate enough to, to just watch an incredible team each and every day. Chris, you missed the coaching part of it at all? Not really, Jay. Coaching was fun. It was something I always um, – you know, when I first retired, it was the last thing on my mind. Because, and, and, you know, the grind of just, just a simple traveling. So when I retired, the first thing I wanted to do was get off that schedule. And I did. And I went, I went in the front office with the Warriors. I was a special assistant for two years, then a GM for four years. Uh, and then when I was done with that, I went to ESPN and, and, and worked there for three years, did games, did radio, did sports center. Um, very similar job to what I have now, but the travel was just intense. And uh, that got old after a while for me. Uh, and then I was in Sacramento uh, as a special assistant to my, my good friend, Pete D'Alessandro, one of Coach Karnasek's, uh team managers back in the day. And uh, 
had a few inquiries uh, around the NBA about coaching. So I started getting, I had books and stuff in my, in my garage. I started getting like, a, Jeff Van Gundy said, if you're ever going to do it, make sure you, you know, put a plan together. So I started doing that for you know, about two years. Uh, and coach had always talked to me about coming back to coach St. John's and it was always not the right time. Um, so timing had, had it, the job was open. I had started to put my book together and uh, kind of jumped into it. And uh, I really enjoyed it, but four years was enough. I can't say one day that I've missed it. Um, it was just time, you know, it was, uh, it was a good run. We, we, we took over a team basically um, building from, from scratch. Uh, and after four years, we, we won 21 games, got to the NCAA tournament uh, and left, you know, a good amount of plays for, for coach Mike Anderson to, to, to build with. So, um, it was fun, but I think four years, much like my playing career was, was perfect. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name, your price tool from progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Four years was just enough. Yeah, not because you're a friend of mine for a long time, but I, you were kind of, in my mind, really a tough situation. You know, you know, three-time Big East played a year, number retired pros, double uh, Hall of Fame in college. Okay, that means all of the St. John teams going to win 30 games every year. <laughs> it didn't happen. I mean, for me, that's an exorbitant amount of pressure. Did you, you know, I don't want you to out, not an alibi, but that was an exorbitant friend of yours that, that it, it, it was tough. It was, it was a tough situation for some other reasons, too. No, I mean, I don't want you to alibi. Yeah, no. Yeah, I think first and foremost, Jay, that first year, um, I think what we had come back was, was three minutes of playing time and one point. So that, that first year was a wash right? and we got some good kids in. Um, but, but I knew for sure, cause I had, I had went from playing to being a GM. Your playing career does not carry over to being a GM. It's a whole different set of skills. It's a whole different job. Um, so I never looked at it like just because I had done certain things as a player that they were going to carry over, carry over as a coach. I felt very confident in the people that coached me. What I was taught that if I was able to pass that on to my players, it would be successful. How long it took, that varies on, on your talent. Um, but there was not a day that didn't go by, whether it be a practice, a shoot around, a film session, uh, a meeting with a, a parent or, or one of my players that I didn't reference one of my coaches, whether it be Jack Alisi, who coached me in, in grade school and at Severian, Lou Pacola, who coached me at Severian, uh, obviously Coach Conaseca, almost every day I used something that he taught me. Uh, and on the court, everybody, whether it be Chuck Daly, Don Nelson, uh, Larry Bird, all the coaches that I played for, I used stuff that I learned from them on the court and, and off the court as well, as far as um, you know, coaching uh, technique, strategy, uh, mentoring, all those different things were a combination of all the people that had influenced me and that, that I was successful with. And um, so from that standpoint, it was very fulfilling. 
Uh, and much like my playing career, everyone wants to win a championship, right? But if you put everything into it and you, you show up each and every day with a plan, you execute that plan, uh, I felt very fulfilled uh, and maybe more importantly, felt good about what I left from what I, from what I found. Because I know I used to sit with the family a lot when I came. I know your brother's passing at the end had a big impact on you. I mean, it was a difficult last year when your brother you know, passed away from cancer. Yeah, I, and I have been through that with my mom and dad, Jay. And, and most people in the, in the world are affected by cancer. It's a, it's a terrible thing to go through. Um, so when I came back in 2015, I think just maybe months after uh, Roddy was diagnosed with cancer, uh, he, he did well for, you know, for two, three years. Um, but the games were, much like I played, became family gatherings. You know, right. when I was playing, when I was playing. The whole playing, crew was there. The whole crew. Everyone was showed up. You know, my mom and dad was very nice to me, I remember, yeah. My, my dad came from a big family. He was one of nine. And, you know, we wouldn't always see his brothers. You know, they all had their own kids, but they would come to the garden. So that was always a nice thing. So that, that kind of got rekindled. All my buddies from Brooklyn, all my buddies from St. John's. It was a beautiful thing to get everyone together. And yeah, you want to win every game, but you know what? That, that camaraderie, the brotherhood, the time I was able to spend with Roddy uh, those last four years, um, it, it's a blessing that, that it turned out that way. Um, and it's not the reason I left, but I'll tell you what, it, was, it made it way more enjoyable and meaningful for me when I walked out with a beat the guard at St. John's and he came to do a bunch of road games. He's sitting behind me 100% uh, into it. You know, I want all my, all my plays to succeed. We talk after the game on the phone. So it was, uh, it, it, that part to me uh, outweighs any one loss record. The, 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 yeah. the wins and losses, when you play and you coach, those things are going to fall where they may. Yeah. But when you Great. develop those relationships and you have those memories, that, that's, that's. You know, can I enjoy my time at St. John's during your four years there was great. I appreciate your time. And listen, I know you in the West Coast a lot. You're always welcome in City Field. We're fortunate enough to hopefully get the Players World Series. There'll all be some seats for the Mullen family here at City Field. So yeah, uh, Jay, I can't thank you enough. No, much, no. much like much, much, much like I said about Coach Karnaseka, your career, the way you've been able to handle yourself in New York City through championships, through tough seasons, the consistency, uh, the, the dignity and the class and loyalty. Is unmatched. I thank well, you so much. Be, thank you so much for your friendship. Me too, Chris. You're always welcome here. Let's stay in touch and thanks for your time. I will see you at the Met game soon, Jay. And give me a holler, my friend. Always welcome. All right. Let's go, thanks. Mets. You got it, Mr. Chris. Right, <laughs> thanks, Chris.